This is Father Gregory Pine. This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress. And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Boom. Father Joseph Anthony. Get it. Get it. We're just living our best lives or something approaching our best lives. Truth be told, oh. we're actually living the only lives that we have to live. And I think by definition, that makes them the best. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but the best life feels especially best, better, good. Bestest. Down. Yep, bestest, bestest. is. Yeah. Um, at the end of summer, uh-huh. at the height of one's leisurely experience <laughs> of this great American republic and all of the abundant fruits of this free land. Yeah. Um, so thoughts on this summer? Was it good? Was it bad? By comparison to others in itself, apostolic ventures, good reads, anything stick out to you? Yeah, this, I mean, summer always has its unique flavor. Doing campus ministry, it was like, oh my gosh, isn't it nice to have a summer and breakdown? It's like, listen, I don't stop working, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no downtime. Like, what are you doing with yourself now that the students are gone? It's like, there's always so much more. This summer, though, uh-huh. this summer had a unique flavor to okay. it. Um, it's like a special, you know, you know, it's summer when like the, was it Chick-fil-A's peach milkshake comes out, oh, yeah. right? Yep. This was like a unique flavor of the peach milkshake because I get my peaches down in Georgia. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I had a lot of weddings to do this summer. Ah. So many weddings. Um, there was one uh, period of the year where I had three weddings in two weekends. I went from Charlottesville on a Friday wedding to Columbus, Ohio for a Saturday wedding. And then like 72 hours after the return of that, flew out to Nebraska uh, to do a Nebraska wedding. And then it's just like weddings popping off uh, all over the place, which is great. I love doing campus ministry because these, uh, you know, these idiots just keep falling in love and they just (laughs) keep wanting to start good, holy families and uh, follow the Lord in the vocation of marriage. So it's a unique gift and privilege that... Um, I get to, to celebrate these weddings because I, I remember the moment where like the guy like sat in my office was like I think I'm going to ask her out yeah I think I'm going to do it and now <laughs> I see her walking down the aisle with her father at their wedding like those are really really cool moments but if I could characterize this summer uh, for me and what it looked like is it was a wedding heavy summer mm-hmm. it was just yeah it was super beautiful though and uh, very happy to be a part of every single one of those weddings so thank you to all those couples for allowing me the privilege to you know uh, see your relationship grow and to be able to be there at those really really important moments and also to be able to uh, shake my towel feather out in that dance floor at those receptions because you got you gotta cut a rug <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah I um I suppose when we entered, I lamented the fact that the real subtlety and nuance of our many dance moves would be Mm -hmm. lost or obscured by the folds of the habit. But I feel like you've really taken it in stride. I definitely have, yeah. And you've managed to improvise Mm -hmm. and to use the advantages of the habit, in fact, to make more pronounced the excellence of your dancing vibes. Um, So I salute you. Thank you. Um, Let's see. For me, this summer was, what would I say, a whirlwind? No, that's too mainstream. I will call it, um, what's the opposite? Well, it's like a dumpster fire, but what's burning in the dumpster mm-hmm. is like glitter and mm-hmm. unicorn fuel. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. So instead of it being trash, mm-hmm. it's like <clears throat> glitter and unicorn fuel. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's a glitter unicorn fire uh, in a dumpster. That doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah. But it was a great summer. It was an intense <laughs> summer, okay? So it was like dialed up to 11 and set on fire. But I managed to see a bunch of wonderful people and then mm-hmm. do a handful of really cool things. 
So we had the Camino. Well, yeah. before that, I did a little pilgrimage in the footsteps of St. Dominic with my sister oh. and a friend, which was awesome to see places where St. Dominic was. Love that. And began the order. And, you know, like where he was born, basically, where he founded the order, and then some of the first places to which he sent the brethren, which was awesome. And then we did the Camino, Father Jacob Bertrand and I in a group of 15. And then I was in Berlin for a month learning German, mm. which at face value, I was like, this language is kind of brutal. Um, it's like English with a cricket bat. Um, but as I was there, the longer and longer I was there, I was like, man, this thing is awesome. This is such a sweet language. So I grew very sympathetic to it. Unfortunately, sympathetic and competent are not the same. That's okay. Yeah, if only. If only they were, it would have been great. <laughs> um, and then I came back to the United States to do a little whirlwindy tour. Mostly, you know, some God-splitting retreats. Yes. And then visit with my family, visit with the community in Washington, D.C., and then bop here and there to spend some time with some friends, which was awesome. Um, so my heart is full, uh, which reminds me of whatever that Adam Sandler movie was. Was it Mr. Deeds? Not important. Um, no. Not important. No. Because the real thing about summer is that for a lot of us, we get like glutted on leisure. And then we begin to feel like kind of slow and lazy. And then we got to get back into gear. So mm -hmm. we figured it would be a, a good opportunity to talk a little bit about Sloth or sloth. There's some debate. Sloth, sleuth, sloth. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sleuth There's some debate sleuth. as to the proper pronunciation of this word. Uh, we will not engage in that debate. We'll just alternate pronunciation. I was going to say, we're not going to commit to either one of these, <laughs> by the way. like We're just going to keep everybody on their toes. So, exactly. Yeah. So we think it's sloth because that's what most people say. But occasionally when you're at a God's planning retreat, not to mention which one, it may have been the first. It definitely there was, was the some first. Yeah, yeah, it was the first. It was, okay, it was I, the first. I did say. Yeah. Yep, all right, mm -hmm. I said it. Yeah. Um, there was some confusion, and we remained confused. But irrespective, let's set the stage. All right, we, in that setting, we talked a little bit about the capital sins. What do we need to know about, yeah, basic basic setup for, like, sin, vice, why are these things important, what about them is especially troubling? Get us started. Yeah, the um, the whole kind of drawing from that, that retreat, right? We were talking about, like, okay, how do we lose our faith? Like, not as, a, like, a tutorial on, like, <laughs> hey, here's the handbook on what to do, but, like, let's talk about the enemies to the faith. And, and we, like, zeroed in on these capital vices, talking about their... Um, I, I, it doesn't really come up too much, but I think they have a privileged position in the spiritual life of being horribly destructive to our faith. And we see that throughout the entirety of the Christian tradition, going all the way back to the Desert Fathers, who were the first ones to really kind of enumerate them in, in this way. And they include sloth as being that. Um, and so setting that kind of tone as like, okay, this isn't just kind of um, something that is like problematic because we're not efficient or productive or things, but like it is horribly destructive to our faith, our relationship with Jesus and um, living in union with him. And I, I think sometimes we think of specifically sloth as somebody who doesn't like reach their potential, but not realizing that this is active destruction of our union with Jesus. And so, um, you know, coming out of that retreat, you, you uh, I think, get, did a really good job of presenting uh, sloth in this way. And I, I'm happy that we can jump into this, uh, the two of us, because you're going to be working, I think, from more of the theoretical and, and foundational aspects of it. I, on the other hand, will probably be working for more of the experiential. Uh, <laughs> I am an expert in the sloth, sleuthless areas. He says after, after having celebrated 11 weddings in the course of 14 days. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it will be fun to kind of like then dive into this in, in a little deeper of a way. Yeah. So in, the, in that retreat, Father Jacob Bertrand 
set the stage by like giving a little bit of a summary of the Desert Fathers and then the medieval reception of the Desert Fathers on this theme. Mm -hmm. So basically you have in the 5th century like a Vagrius Ponticus um, or a Vagrius Pontus, St. John Cashin, who kind of formulate that data. And they use it as a way to say, hey, Christian, be vigilant. Yeah. Because there are these vices that come under cover of darkness. And what they do is they perf- they pervert the love at work in our lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they might, you know, like inflame certain lower loves or they might, you know, kind of rein in certain higher loves or they might kind of put other loves to sleep or put them in a dormant state. So you need to be cognizant of the loves that God has poured into our heart yep. so that we can kind of cultivate those in an orderly fashion. And so... St. John Cashin likens them to the seven tribes that surround the Israelites in the region Mm -hmm. of Canaan Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, and then adds pride as the mother of all capital vices, which he likens to Egypt as that most (laughs) destructive of imperial forces. And then you get, we talked a little bit about the way that it's kind of codified by St. Gregory of the Great and then received by St. Thomas Aquinas. And the basic idea is that a capital vice gives rise to other vices. Mm -hmm. So they're like kind of principles in the vicious life. Insofar as if you welcome, you know, certain capital vices, and we name them pride, envy, anger, sloth, avarice, gluttony, and lust. If you welcome, you know, if you kind of welcome them in your life, whether deliberately and intentionally or otherwise, then they often give rise to other vices, which mm-hmm. give rise to mm-hmm. other sins. So it's the sense of like, as a Christian, we want to be vigilant. We want to be on the lookout for how sin might creep in or crop mm-hmm. up. So that way we can address it, which is to say, okay, God is giving me the grace to confront this, and that grace is fruitful. I believe in it. I hope in it. I love it. All right. So, like, what does it look like? So maybe, yeah, just thinking practically about the sin of sloth, uh, what are ways, you know, like in your conversations with your students, Mm -hmm, in your conversations mm -hmm. with other people more broadly, you know, uh, what are ways in which sloth kind of creeps into our life, or what are the guises that sloth wears when it's on the move? Well, I think it's super important too to realize as as we talk about the capital vice of sloth, it's a little different than how it's uh, referred to kind of colloquially in, mm-hmm. in the, our contemporary culture. I think people just see it as laziness. You know, I had a lazy day. I was super slothful. You know, that's not actually what we're talking about. That that's an aspect, and that definitely is in play with sloth. But when we're talking about the capital vice of sloth, it's a weariness of soul, mm-hmm. right? It's Excuse me, it's a sadness or this weird spiritual weariness uh, that takes place. And so it's important to realize that, you know, that may manifest in a certain type of laziness in that way, but it actually goes much, much deeper. And that's why I keep saying it's, it's a little more destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about those, uh, some of the capital vices as they kind of push things dormant or rein things in. Um, I think sloth is one of those that it, it seems like it's just like super beige and has lost all color, maybe slips into grayscale. And I don't think it's like, I think it's the difference between somebody seeing the uh, the beauty of a flower a garden, you know, and all its different flowers and colors and types of flowers and all that. You may have somebody that is, let's say, colorblind. They can see that, but they've lost the like the kind of sense of its like total grandeur. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they they think of sloth as doing that, mm-hmm. like still allowing things to be there, but it's just kind of uh, you know lost its color. I think it's a little more destructive. I think it's where you end up totally blind. Mm. You've lost all sense of reality. 
to that. And that's something else that, that came up during this retreat, but is super important to realize that all of these capital vices actually distort or maybe um, force us to not interact with reality in its proper context. And so sloth does that. It, 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 it manipulates and actually separates us from reality in many ways because it's not just this inactivity of laziness, but it's true weariness of the spirit and of the soul to, to do what? Um, to uh, attain perfection in union with Christ, to uh, endure and maybe pursue conversion with Jesus on a daily basis uh, in that way. Yeah, I think... Yeah, when we were describing it and we were chatting it through in the question and answer session, sloth is when the soul regards God, his divine good, Mm. and says, it's just too lofty. It's just too far off. Mm -hmm. And so I grow weary, like you said, or I grow sad at the thought that I am, in fact, called to this vocation. Yeah. And rather than endeavor it, right, I will just despair of it. I'll kind of consign myself Mm-hmm. to whatever second tier second place or even something less yeah because that gap just seems unbridgeable right like i right i just right. i'm exhausted thinking at the prospect of how you know great are the promises of god so it's it's almost more simple more straightforward for me to simply say can't possibly be the case um, if not in the theoretical certainly in the practical realm <laughs> right uh, because i'm just way too well acquainted with my own weakness with my own woundedness and I can't see a way through. Mm-hmm. I can't see a way out. So rather than open myself up to the idea, the prospect that I might be called to something so wonderful, yeah. I'm just going to close that door because it hurts to open myself up to that, right? Because I have yeah. to make myself vulnerable to the call take and the promise of God, it. which is terrible, right? It's terrifying. It's terrifying, yeah. yeah. And so rather than do that, I will just... I'll settle for the scraps that fall from the table, mm-hmm. right? Because it mm-hmm. seems like what they're serving at this banquet might be too good to be true. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe like addressing addressing that person, you know, who hears these spiritual things described in such glowing terms <laughs> and doesn't believe that those promises could possibly be for him or mm-hmm. her. You know, like, okay, what are some ways in which we can seek to address sloth? You know, the title of this particular episode is Sloth and Spiritual Motivation, which yeah. sounds a little bit self-helpy, but like <laughs> the thing that ultimately motivates us is God. Yeah. His Christ, yep. the grace that he pours into our hearts in the sacramental dispensation. So maybe, yeah, just from your experience again, you know, from mm-hmm. your conversations, thoughts in which, or thoughts uh, along these lines, yeah. Well, the, the first thing is to always make sure that you are um, inviting Christ and inviting God into that moment. Um, when we deal with sloth or we deal with this kind of weariness of soul, a lot of this comes from you you pointed out you like see the glories and the grandeur of god and what he's calling you to and you're like yeah that sounds great but i'm not there i'm here i can't get there so why do i even begin and in some respects like this is where the evil one manipulates and lies and in some senses that's right you can't get there by your own this isn't your work this is God's work. This is his initiative. This is his desire, which means he's going to accomplish it. Um, and so I think in those moments where you may be, you know, laying in your bed with your, you know, 15-pound weighted blanket on you, you know, watching the 17th episode of Netflix or whatever it is, in that moment, just invite God to begin the work right then and there uh, because this is his work. And to allow him to have that kind of uh 
place in your life. And whenever you um, whenever you experience that kind of void or that that distance from from the Lord, it's not necessarily up to you to recover ground and to make up the lost. No, just invite the Lord into that moment and then begin progressing alongside of him, in union with him, uh, following his lead. But I think there are times that we see at a distance where we, and, and this is one of those lies that I see happen a lot in the confessional, and it, it, it manifests in like subtle ways, but people think, you know, they should be where they once were when their devotions were super high, or they think where they should be, um, and they want to get there as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. instead of saying, well, I got to begin from here. Mm-hmm. And so they feel this like pressure that they have to make up ground to go back to where they once were because they mm-hmm. fell out of favor with their faith or they fell out of favor with the practices of their faith. So they have to recover and go back as quickly as possible. So I'm going to do all of these things. And it's like, no, 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 you just got to begin right where you are, right there, because this is the Lord's work, right? So the motivation in uh, so much of the spiritual life is actually super simple, but also extremely complex. But it's just to begin right where you are, mm-hmm. inviting the Lord into that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, we certainly highlighted throughout the course of the weekend as a response to mm-hmm. the perennial temptation of the perennial threat of these capital vices, the discipline and habit of prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't Surprise. reinvent the <laughs> Christian life. We just reproposed it um, unto <laughs> ages of ages. But I think here there's an especial importance to prayer because why? Well, prayer is, says St. John Damascene, the raising of one's mind, heart, and God. It is the simple gaze of the soul upon the God by mm. whom she knows herself to be loved, says St. Teresa of Avila. But in order to pray, you have to pause, right? Yeah. And I think that paradoxically, we often see sloth in the form of feverish activity. Yes, yes, yes. So like you mentioned, a yep. lot of people are super concerned about the fact that they're falling behind in the spiritual life or they're not, you know, they're not yet where they ought to be in the spiritual life. So they're doing, 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 doing. And we've, many of us have come up or, you know, like we've had contact with folks who are involved in ecclesial ministries, but who are gripped by a quiet despair. Mm-hmm. It's almost mm-hmm. as if they're engaged in those mm-hmm. ministries because they suspect that God cannot change the world. And so they're doing everything that lies yeah. within their power to bring about that change, which they hope to, you know, to realize. But truth be told, that's not, that's not Christian ministry. That's nihilistic <laughs> ministry, as it were. And so I think when we take a stance, you know, like, and, and look critically at our activity and say, what informs this activity? What inspires this activity? Why have I decided to go about this activity? It has to be the Lord's work or it's nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's the Lord who gives the growth when the laborers sleep, right? And apart from it, it availeth not. And so I think that sloth, you're regarding the divine good. It looks too high. It looks too exalted. You despair of it as a reality or as a possibility for you. And you content yourself with, you know, kind of living at the bottom of the proverbial barrel. But what we want is to reanimate our hope in that exalted divine good, because it is in fact for us, because God's promises are true and because they are for me. Mm-hmm. All right. And if that's the case, I need to tap into those promises with a contemplative life, or I need to tap into those yeah. promises by simple steps in prayer. So yeah, I don't know your thoughts. on well, combating, Yeah, I, I, I don't want us to continue any further in this episode without addressing what you just said there is that this feverish activity, this overemphasis on productivity in our life is also sloth. Mm-hmm. It is two sides of the same coin. You know, like this is also uh, the same kind of spiritual weariness that is placed or that is present when we see it in manifesting as quote unquote laziness. 
like these are two sides of the same coin. They're the two extremes, but it's dealing with the same capital vice because in this overactivity and this overproductivity, right? We are not availing ourselves of the true glories of the Lord that he has invited us into, right? It is this kind of mechanistic um, force because we feel like we have to accomplish this. And it's the same type of kind of self-indulgent, navel-gazing, selfish attitude. We've taken our eyes off of the Lord now and, and forced them upon ourselves because now we have to accomplish all of these things. I'm not content and I'm not happy with my own goodness or my own uh, you know, humanity. So I'm going to try to force myself to believe it by this overactivity. And I'm going to work hard for all these accolades or all these uh, accomplishments and things because they're going to convince me of my worth and my goodness instead of being able to receive that from the Father himself. So this is why Sloth is so destructive. Um, the the book, The Noonday Devil, which I forget the author right now, it's, it's some Benedictine, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> um, but talks about that. He has an entire chapter on the temptations to sloth via activity. Mm. And how important that is. I mean, when we can talk about the um, the antidote, I think many times the antidote to to real sloth is not activity; is actual proper leisure. Mm-hmm. You know, rest, leisure that is recreative of the human person that remotivates, reenergizes, and, and allows us to have that breath of fresh air in our humanity and union with God who was creator in those aspects. So doing uh, things that are appropriately leisurely, which means we have to pause sometimes and, and, and create space for that. Um, there's, we could talk about clutter, you know, physical clutter is, you know, a whole thing. Uh, Maria Kondo, thank you so much. You know, <laughs> it does this spark joy. Uh, and then, but is there spiritual clutter in your life? You know, and that's really important because we have to create a space for proper leisure and sometimes that's why people have their scrapbooking room. Mm-hmm. That's their space for leisure, you know? But do you have a scrapbooking room in your soul? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a space that you can rest with the Lord? Um, that, and there's a lot of spiritual clutter out there, too, because we're forcing these things and trying to rely on the activity to convince ourselves that we have a relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord instead of just sitting in front of him and being with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this image a lot of spiritual clutter because I know that there are a lot of, you know, people stress clean. And you've got big, <laughs> yeah, you've got it's big true. Tasks, oh my gosh, yes. And you need to address that task and you probably need to do it pronto, but yeah. instead you're vacuuming your carpet for the first time in two and a half months with all kinds of assiduity. And it's like, what's going on here? You know, but <laughs> is I think everything that, okay, buddy? Yeah, yeah exactly. You're good? I think that, like, you know, when your workspace is cluttered, it's really difficult to get the work done because things aren't at right angles. I can be so – like, I was looking at the things that I set down Mm -hmm. on the vanity this morning, right? So I have, like, my toothpaste here and Mm -hmm. my toothbrush here and then my floss wands here and then my, you know, shaving cream here and then my – it's like – and I looked at it and I was like, somebody's got a problem, right? But, um, (laughs) like, that's what I need in order to get ready in the morning. If things aren't at right angles, I'm just going to lose my mind and nick myself even more than I already do at the age of 34. Yeah, you do a lot, yeah. Woof. All right. But but I think that that's, yeah, that's a great point. So maybe then we can just think about some of the spiritual clutter, which distracts us from the divine good and, mm-hmm. you know, taking those small steps as we grow towards it. One of them, I would say, is a kind of like 
spirit of measuring our measuring ourselves against false standards. Okay? Yes, yes. Whether yes, that yes, be yes, yes. a notion of our own holiness, which isn't in fact true, or someone else's holiness, which may be real or imagined, but it's like we're taking our cues from something other than the call mm-hmm. and grace of God in our lives. Yep. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what's true? What's not true? How do we move? Um, absolutely. We we have to remind ourselves that we are not the criteria. We can't gauge ourselves uh, according to our own kind of measuring stick. And also what we see in others. You know, this is about a a deep interior union with the Lord. Um, For a few people, it was a physical union, and those received the stigmata. But many do not. So there's an interior union, and that is something that we we have a hard time gauging, gauging or measuring because we can we're human beings. We can only see the exterior. We see with the eyes of men. God sees to the heart. So to allow ourselves to be reminded of the fact that what is the measuring stick? Well, it's the Lord's invitation to me, and it's the Lord who then uh, allows me to have the ability to grow, but also sets forth the the points of growth in my life. Um, so, yeah, we we live a spirit of comparison so much, and, and those are a thousand different other reasons, which means that's 157 other different episodes that mm. we can uh, record. But, um, yeah, allowing ourselves to um, kind of check the the comparison and i think often one, a really good thing that we can do to check comparison is to um allow ourselves to rejoice in another's goodness mm-hmm. so to maybe we're not comfortable with that that's not a very comfortable conversation that happens a lot of times between colleagues associates and sadly among friends yeah, yeah. you know say like what's good like tell me tell me tell me good i want i want to rejoice with you i want to celebrate with you in the last 14 days tell me the good You know, so allowing ourselves to initiate that kind of conversation so that we can rejoice in another's goodness, but not be weary about it. And then also um, be motivated to uh, not set our own standards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that so this this came up in the episode about. Or, or will come up in the episode about envy and comparison. Yeah, we talked about that, yeah. Um, and so it's like it, envy and sloth have a lot to do with each other insofar as envy sees the good of another and grows you know, sad and weary because it represents a kind of threat to my own goodness. It seems like goodness is a limited commodity, and if yeah. somebody else has more of it, I have less of it. Oh, woe is me. And then with sloth, you, you regard the divine good and you grow sad and weary on account of the fact that it seems so distant. But there's a similar movement there. Right. And, and in both cases, there's a spirit of comparison. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like one way in which to address it is, you know, as you describe, to, to grow more cognizant of, to grow more appreciative of the good, both in the life of the other, right. which directly addresses envy, and in the life of, you know, like your own Mm-hmm. self you know your own identity and mission has to has to originate with this recognition that the lord is about a good work in me but it's a good that's particular and peculiar to me okay yeah. so it's not his good it's not her good it's in fact my good um and in order to recognize that i need to listen to the testimony of my friends who might be you know offering modest affirmations here and there it's like you know you're really talented at this like you have a gift for administration right. you have a gift for hospitality or whatever it is but also like in the context of the life of prayer sacraments you know i'm i'm gaining a deeper appreciation as the lord heals me and grows me mm-hmm. as to who i am and what i'm for and i occupy a particular place within the yeah. body of christ right it's not if i'm the eye i'm not the shoulder right i'm not <laughs> the i'm not the haunch whatever i'm the armpit I'm, exactly I'm there the armpit. it is bingo um i could whatever here we go so um <laughs> 
No, you smell better. So, um, yeah, so we need to grow cognizant. We need to grow recollected in the fact of our being yeah, called to yeah, a particular yeah. and peculiar life and to rejoice in that because it's got a unique, an unrepeatable dignity. Mm -hmm. But if we're constantly looking around at the vocations of others and wishing that it were otherwise, then we miss out on the one beautiful life that God is, in fact, giving to us, which beautiful life is already shot towards the divine good, right? Yeah, and it's for us yeah. to kind of, you know, vibe with that, jive with that embrace that as it were but we, as we were talking about like let's let's then allow ourselves to set our sights on the glories of god you know and how he then this is this is the shattering the earth shattering reality of the incarnation there was a divide that could not be bridged by us and so when we looked at god he was too far away mm -hmm. and he jumped the divide to take on our humanity so that we wouldn't have to worry about it anymore and so that this sloth was actually then truly eradicated. It should have been eradicated from our lexicon then. Because when we saw the glories of God and said, I can't attain to that. Well, in the incarnation, now it is possible. And we can attain it in this life now as a preparation and a foreshadow and, and an entrance into the next life. So I, I think that it is so important to allow ourselves to pursue and make those invitations to the incarnate Lord in, in many respects. And this is why if we want to talk about clearing out spiritual clutter and, and, give, and creating space, which I do want to talk about that because that's what I do. But uh, creating Marie Kondo your soul, okay? Just like create that space. But what's the one thing that should be there? Like if you can sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament and open up the Gospels, and read his life, and, and let the promises of the lips of Jesus Christ, his words, let those promises just reverberate through your heart. And that's what it's going to engender the hope that, yeah, this is a future attainable, arduous good, but it's his work that he's calling me to. And that's going to give you the motivation that when you then go out into this world, that's going to then try to reclutter you down which should be like a new R&B song, reclutter you down. But uh, as, as, as you go out into the world, you're going to have that motivation to continue and not have that weariness when you look at the glories of, the, of God because you're like, no, he said these promises and invited me, me, to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. I mean, Marie Kondo <laughs> and the promises of God. I feel Bam. like those are our two principal takeaway points from this episode. Yeah. I guess, you know, by way of parting thought by way of summation um yeah there's a temptation to look to think can't possibly be yeah. or way too glorious and then to shy away from or to draw back from on account of the fact that it seems almost like an accusation or a condemnation mm -hmm. because yeah if god is calling me to that then he ought to be more concretely generous because i certainly don't feel that way but i think you know one of these takeaway points is just to embrace the simple means that god has already yeah. given to us we've we've talked about prayer we've talked about sacraments i think especially the sacrament of confession is huge mm -hmm, insofar mm -hmm. as it's not just a reset button it's a source of ongoing healing and strengthening and as we avail ourselves of that. We grow in the virtue of penitence, which is able to establish continuity between past, present, and future, and give us a sense for this, you know, the fact yeah. that we're shot towards yeah. God and his mercy conducts us hence. And then like friendship, you know, like you talked about recognizing the good in your friend, your friend also recognizes the good in you, calls it, names it, right? But also coaxes it forth or like calls it forth, coaxes yeah. it out. And that helps us to, to thrill at the recognition of it and then to set that in motion. Um, you know, like simple study of the faith when you learn things about God, it motivates you, it animates you, yeah. um, all kinds of stuff. I mean, well, yeah, we're coming to the end, but any final thoughts, final takeaway points, summary, summary, summary. Yeah. 
don't be a slothful idiot. <laughs> Second use of idiot. I held up three fingers. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and just uh, because of the lack of motivation, because like that is actually extremely rampant in, in our society and in life. Like, don't, um, I'd encourage our, our listeners to just like, don't get surprised by it. And, and, and don't let it be as catastrophic, you know? It's important to it, that sloth is very destructive in our life, but it need not be catastrophic. And that in those moments that you recognize what's happening or you, you see the glory of the Lord and you're like, I'm sure he has that envisioned for somebody, but I bet it's not me. Mm. That is a lie. And then just to invite him into those moments and begin from there. Begin from exactly where you are. And mm-hmm. that, and that is uh, the the process of uh, repeated conversion. That's uh, just a tried and true method throughout the Gospels and the entire Christian tradition. Boom! There it is. So, for listeners, uh, asterisk at the bottom of the episode, the word "idiot" was used analogically. In yes. the first sense, it meant child of God between the ages of eighteen and twenty-two. <laughs> in the second sense, it meant child of God who is not cognizant of the fact that he or she is a child of God. So, thank you. That's a yeah. little guide there for mm-hmm. you uh, doing the work of translation. So. Uh, thanks so much for listening uh, to this episode of Godsplaining, as always. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like the episode, if you would. Subscribe on YouTube or on your podcast app and leave a five-star review, all of which help get the word out. And please, God, uh, yeah, change hearts. Boom. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, you can follow the link in the show notes or the description. And then in the same show notes or description, you'll find links to check out Godsplaining merchandise and to get updates on upcoming events. So that's it. Our prayers are for you. Please pray for us. And we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Planning.